Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Everybody's good today? Let me see your smiles. Y'all been looking at the back of my head all morning. Let me see those pretty smiles. I got a question for you. What topics would you think tend to be on the minds and weigh the heaviest on most people today? Thought about that? What are, what are some of the things that they weigh heavy on you? What's, what's weighing heavily on your mind today? Is there a friend concern? Maybe you're worried about somebody. Uh, maybe, there's a, maybe your marriage, it's good, but you know it could be better. Maybe you're not married and your hopes and your dreams for a mate are front and center on your mind. Uh, any parents here today? Let me see your hands, parents. Yeah, lots of parents. Whether you have one child or five like I do, why is it that your children can weigh so heavily on your mind and so heavily on you? I want to tell you, you're not going to want to miss the next several weeks. Today, we are kicking off a brand new series on relationships, and we're going to be discussing those topics that we feel the most. We're going to talk about friendships. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about dating and parenting. We're going to cover the whole gamut. I've heard it said there's no pain like relationship pain, and there's no pleasure like relationship pleasure. And I've often wondered, how can... One facet of our lives bring us so much enjoyment when they're right, and yet bring us so much pain when they're not. Do we really have this relationship-o-meter, right? That somehow we can gauge where the qualities of our relationships are that we would know. How many of you know when a relationship isn't right? Where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that comes from. I, I see some things in God's word that I think will shed some light on that question today, and, and we're going to spend the next several weeks unpacking them. But here's, here's the key phrase I want you to remember today, and it's this. The kingdom of God is built upon relationship. The kingdom of God is built upon relationship. Man has built some pretty incredible things, but they're all temporary. Man has built kingdoms based on military might. He has extended his territory only to have somebody else come in later and conquer him again. He's built kingdoms of wealth and power. Man has built kingdoms based on politics and influence, but they're all temporary. They do not last. Matter of fact, every kingdom that man has ever built has done what? It's fallen. It's fallen. It's come to the end, but I got good news for you because the kingdom that God has built is eternal and it's built upon relationship. It's built upon relationship. Eternal life is not about going somewhere, it's about knowing someone. It's not about living in a place, it's about living in a person. It's not about what I've done, it's about who I know. It is a relationship. John 17, verse 3. Jesus is talking about eternal life. Here's what he says. He says, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've 
sent. Jesus himself equates eternal life, not with the place, but with the person. Not what you do, but who you know. The kingdom of God is built upon relationship. Can you think of any other places in scripture where this is brought forward to us? I can. The Bible teaches that the earth was formed on relationship. Genesis tells us that God existed before anything, and the Holy Spirit was was present with God when the earth was void and without form. John tells us that Jesus is the Word and that the Word was with God, and the Word was God from the very beginning, and through that relationship, all things were created. Heaven itself was created from a relationship. Adam, the first man, was built from a relationship. Remember, God said, let us make man in our image. What do you think he's talking about? Making man in our image. Could it be that God has given mankind the same capacity for relationship that God himself shares? That capacity for relationship. Gauging relationships are core to your being. You can't turn it off. Even the youngest children seem to know when something's not right between mommy and daddy. They just have this gauge. What is it? The Garden of Eden was cultivated from a relationship. In Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be what? Alone. I will make a helper fit for him. The crowning jewel of God's creation wasn't good enough in and of itself. It needed to be in a relationship. Man needed to be in a relationship. Even the church itself, we read, began with a relationship. Look at John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The book of Acts starts at the beginning of the church, and it starts with an outpouring of a new relationship with that helper that Jesus promised. So here's my question for you today. If God didn't want to start creation apart from relationship, if God didn't make man to live alone from the beginning, if God didn't want the church to begin without relationship, then why do so many people try to live Christianity alone? I don't understand. I mean, I kind of get it, but I don't. It doesn't measure up to what I read about in Scripture. It doesn't measure up to what I think God has for us. All throughout Scripture, every major biblical character that God used for a purpose to accomplish something for him, look at me, they didn't do it by themselves. Every single one of them had a a relationship, had somebody that helped them, a group of people that came alongside of them. You were not meant to do Christianity alone. Have you ever heard of six degrees of separation? It's a fun little relationship theory that's, that's circulating about. And here's the premise, that every single person is connected to every other person within the confines of six relationships. Every relationship you have, they call it a degree of separation, right? So somebody that you know, your relationship, that's one degree of separation. And maybe somebody that they know is a second degree and so forth and so on. And they said, you're connected to every single person in the world through at least six of these degrees of separation. I'm going to prove it to you. Did you know that you're connected to Dolly Parton? You didn't know that, did you? You wake up today, the things you learn at Our Savior's Church, I'm telling you. You are connected to Dolly Parton. Here's why. Because you're connected to me. And I married Kayla. Kayla grew up in northern Alabama, and her brother got married to a niece of Dolly Parton's. And so, y'all counting, that's five 
relationships, you can call Dolly up, go to Dollywood and say, hey, give me the Pastor Don hookup. And she won't know who you're talking about, but you're connected to her. <laughs> you are connected to her. Did you know that you're connected to the King of England? Hmm. Didn't, didn't know that, did you? The King's son is Prince Harry, who married Meghan Markle who played a FedEx delivery driver in the 2011 film Horrible Bosses. I'm telling you the things you learn at Our Savior's Church. That movie starred Kevin Spacey. And Kevin Spacey co-starred in 1992 with Forrest Whitaker in the movie Consenting Adults. Forrest Whitaker starred in 2013's movie The Butler, where he played Cecil Gaines, the father of little Charlie Gaines, who was played by none other than your very own worship leader, Isaac White. <laughs> over here on the front row. Hey, you didn't know you were that close to royalty, did you? With, I'm telling you, we can do it all day long. Six degrees separate us from anybody. It's funny to think about the bond that relationships and connections can make and how they can span. But what if you were just one degree, one relationship away from your God-given destiny and you didn't know it? What if God had orchestrated through all the people and all the relationships and all the places that you go and all the things that you do to bring you to a point where he could reveal to you the very reason why you existed? He was just waiting on that relationship connection to happen. You're just one degree, one separation away from everything clicking and making sense in your life. Man, I'm telling you, who you choose to be friends with can have an enormous impact on your life. Can it not? Yeah, those are all the parents that just said amen, by the way, for those of you that know that. I need to make a confession uh, to you. I have a group of friends, three friends to be exact, and I'm very close to these three friends. I've known them for a long, long time. Um, we do a lot together, but if I'm honest with you, um, they're really not good for me to be around. How many of you have some friends that's just not good for you to be uh, around them? Um, I don't know why, but for some reason, every time something significant happens in my life, they're who I reach out to first. But listen to me, they are horrible counselors, and they give me some of the worst advice. <laughs> I, I, you'd think I'd stop going back. As a matter of fact, every single time I've gotten in trouble, I've been with one of them. Some of you are like, I know who you're talking about. It's like they know me so well, these friends can talk me into anything. Some of the stupidest things that I've been talked into have been by one of these three friends. How many of you have some friends like that? Don't point to them if they're here, if they're here in church. I'm glad both of you are here. Yeah. Maybe you've heard of my friends, too. Their names are me, myself, and I. They're your friends, too? Yeah. Horrible counselors, aren't they? Present for all your mistakes and can talk you into anything. Why do we spend so much time hanging out with me, myself, and I if those three friends get you in all kinds of trouble? I don't understand, but we do. We do. Pastor Jacob says, show me, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Or as mama used to tell you, if you want to soar with the eagles, you can't be running with them turkeys, boo. Can't, you can't do it. 
Pastor Eugene and I were discussing this topic just this week. Matter of fact, he's going to be with us in February. So don't, don't miss. Uh, don't miss that. Instead of me, myself, and I, let me give you a picture of three kinds of relationships that everyone needs. And then at the end, I'm going to show you how you can find them. We get this picture from the life of David. David, King David. David grew up a shepherd boy from a dysfunctional family. He slays a giant, unites an entire kingdom, and though he had many, many, many shortcomings, King David becomes a man after God's own heart. How many of you like to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? How can I do that? Well, I'll tell you, David doesn't get there without these three kinds of relationships, and I'm going to share them with you. Those of you that are taking notes, grab your pen, grab your paper, grab your thumbs, uh, on your phone. Let's write this down. Three key relationships that helped de- uh, build David's life. Here's the first one, a Samuel, someone who makes you better. You need to have a Samuel in your life. Saul was the king before David, and Saul was rejected by God, and so God sent the prophet Samuel to go look for David to anoint him King, We see the story in 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So here's the picture. Samuel shows up, the prophet, the man of God, and he tells this guy, Jesse, Hey, God's picked one of your sons to be king. I need to meet him. So Jesse lines up all the boys, from the oldest to the youngest. And Jesse knows, he just knows that he knows who that's going to be. How many of you, God said, one of your sons is going to be king? You're like, I know exactly who it's going to be. Not that one. It's going to be that one. Y'all are laughing because it's true. Samuel walks up, and he goes line by line, and every single one of those boys, God says, nope, not him. Nope, not him. Nope, not him. Nope, not him. All the way down. Finally, he's run out of sons. And he says, are you sure? Are you sure? Look at this, verse 11. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Question for you. When was the last time you had a relationship in your life who was willing to call you up into the great things that God has for you? When was the last time you had someone who hears from God on your behalf? Someone who can recognize the potential on your life and be willing to speak to your future while walking with you in your present. You need a Samuel in your life. You need somebody who says, no, 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 we're not going to sit down until we figure out what God is saying to us. There is something God has planned for you, and we're going to figure this out. You need a Samuel in your life. I've been fortunate Pastor Jacob, Pastor Eugene have both played a Samuel-like role in my life. I got tag-teamed this week. I wasn't expecting it. One of our meetings ended early, and I found myself sitting there with the two of them, and they said, so, how's it going? Great. I think. And the two of them proceeded with phrases like, uh, hey, how are you? Where is it heavy? Don't do it that way. Do it this way. I've been there. 
Let me help you. No, that's pride. No, that's pride too. You need to continue to work on that. Trust me, I want to see you do this for a long, long time. How many of you are grateful your pastor has a Samuel in his life that can help me be better? Crazy thing is, this kind of relationship isn't always one that you choose. God sends them into your life, and they come looking for you, but you get to decide if you're going to remain in the kind of environments where that Samuel can invest into you. You got to see that. I didn't choose Pastor Jacob to pastor me. God did, but I absolutely choose every time I choose to stay in that relationship and not run from it. Here's the second relationship you need. First one was a Samuel, someone who makes you better. Here's the second one, a Jonathan, someone that encourages you. A friend that's willing to put your well-being ahead of their own. Someone who won't just share with you, but they will sacrifice for you. You know what that word encourage literally means, right? In To make courage. Courage. Somebody that can literally make courage and put it inside of you. From that moment on, David is used by God in some pretty incredible ways. People are starting to notice, and King Saul has a nervous breakdown, and he starts to become overwhelmed with bitterness and jealousy over God's favor and his treatment of David, so much so that Saul starts to hunt David to try to kill him. That's crazy. Now, I know there's probably nobody here that can relate to never being attacked by the enemy until God put a plan together for your life, and you started following God, and now it seems like there's a target on your back. That's what happened with David. Everything was great. Nobody wanted to kill David when he was out tending to the sheep. But the moment God had a plan for his life, now he is an enemy. The crazy thing is, Jonathan is Saul's son. The king who's trying to kill David, this is his son, and the two of them form such a strong bond together. In 1 Samuel 18, we read that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And there's a picture that we see as we continue the story that forms the story of David, who's been promised his future in God, but there's an enemy chasing him, trying to bring an end to that future. God uses Jonathan in David's life to be a voice that encourages him and strengthens him. Chapter 23, verse 15. One day near Horish, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and to kill him. And Jonathan went to find David. Look what he did. He encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Can I tell you, even those closest to God need these kind of relationships. And I, I think it's neat when you read this story that the enemy doesn't always know where David is. But guess who always seems to know right where David's at? Jonathan does. Jonathan knows. Man, when's the last time you had a friend that you could call and you could say, hey, here I am. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. Somebody who knows and a friend that would come and encourage you and strengthen you and remind you of God's purpose. That phrase when he said he would strengthen his hand in the Lord, it literally means he would point him back to God. Who are those friends in your life that when you come fussing and complaining, they do nothing much but say, come here, let me hold you and let me point you straight to God. If you don't have somebody like that in your life, I'm telling you, you're missing out. You're missing out. Out. Samuel, someone who makes you better. Jonathan, someone who encourages you. Here's the third relationship you got to have. This is a Nathan, someone that will tell you the truth. 
Some of you married somebody who will tell you the truth. Here's the story from 2 Samuel. Many, many years down the road, David's in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he doesn't just observe a bathing woman. He sleeps with her, gets her pregnant. And if that wasn't enough, he has her husband killed, takes her as his wife to cover it up. Not good. Not good at all. So God sends the prophet Nathan. Now, this isn't just a random prophet. This is a man who's got in relationship with David, a man who's cultivated this relationship over a period of years. And he goes all the way through. He's a trusted advisor. And Nathan is the kind of friend that can walk right into the middle of your mess and call you out on it. Some of you have some people like that in your life. 2 Samuel chapter 12, God sends Nathan. Nathan tells a story about a man who has everything he could ever want, yet sees this other man who has only one lamb, and this lamb is like a pet to this person. He's telling David this story. He's like, David, I need you to understand. Let me tell you this story. There's a guy who has everything he could ever want, And yet, not content with that, he goes and takes this lamb, the only lamb from this other person. This lamb was so close, it was like a pet to him. And do you know what he does? He takes that lamb, prepares dinner, and then invites the guy over. David reacted like you did. And he said, that man needs to die as a result of what he did. And do you know what Nathan did in that moment? 2 Samuel 12, 7. Nathan said to David, you are that man. You are that man. Do you have a friend like Nathan that's not only willing to tell you the truth, but it's somebody you've given permission to be honest with you? Y'all do know that's two different things. Somebody who's willing to tell you the truth and somebody you've been willing, you've been given permission to do that. I remember a couple years ago when I was, in, I was still in Lafayette coming back and forth. I just started here and just leaving here. Pastor Sean and I were on the phone, and we were talking and just kind of building our relationship, and it was getting deeper, and I remember exactly where I was. I liked to talk and walk when I was on the phone, and uh, I asked him a question, and this is what Pastor Sean said to me. He said, well, do you want to know the answer, or do you want to know what I think you want to know, or what you want to hear? I said, no, 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 I want to know. Tell me the truth, and in that moment, I learned something about Pastor Sean. He's the kind of person that's willing to tell me the truth, even when I don't want to hear it. And when I find a friend who lovingly but honestly is willing to tell me the truth about something that I'm doing wrong or that I don't see, what do you think I do with that person? Kick him to the curb? Nope. I bring him in really, really, really close. Really, really, really close. And Nathan in your life may not have close proximity initially, but you won't have a Nathan if you keep pushing away everyone who tries to speak the truth to you. And you need that kind of people. Some of you have somebody in your life that is trying to speak truth to you, but you're not wanting to hear it, and you're keeping them at arm's distance, and it's causing you to not have the kind of Nathan in your life that God wants you to have to see when you're doing something you shouldn't do. You need those kind of relationships in your life. Are you taking inventory today? How are your friends measuring up? This is not me, myself, and I territory. If you're going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, you need to have these kinds of relationships. Do you have a Samuel? Do you have a friend who's willing to make you better? 
Do you have a Jonathan? Somebody who will encourage you. Do you have a Nathan? Somebody who will tell you the truth. I told you earlier I'd share those three types of relationships with you. And then I would tell you a way that you can find them. So, Pastor Don, how do I find these kind of relationships? Let me see your hands. How many of you would like to find these kind of relationships in your life? Join a small group. Join a small group. Oh, I don't know, Pastor Don. I mean, I'm, I'm going to try. No, you're not. It's okay. I love you. I want you to be here. But if all you do is come to church on Sunday morning, look at my face. You are missing so much of what God wants to do in your life. The kind of relationships he wants you to have. There are people that are so close to helping you become the kind of person that God wants you to be. But if you won't put yourself in an environment to help you, I don't know that you'll meet them. And I love that you come to church early. And I love that you stay late. But until you get face to face with that person and figure out, is this a Samuel? Is this somebody that can invest in me? Is this, is this a Jonathan, somebody that, that can encourage me? Or is this a Nathan, somebody that can speak truth to me? You're going to miss it. And over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share, you, uh, share with you a principle. It's called the principle of the soil. And here's all that it means. The right things grow when they're placed in the right environment. The right things grow when they're placed in the right environment. Why is it that all the girls that I meet are trouble, Pastor Don? Why is it that I can't seem to find a good man? Because you're out looking at the club. And you can't go fish in a catfish pond and expect to pull out a bass. It doesn't work that way. If you'll put yourself in the right environment, the right kind of things will grow and the right kind of relationships will find you. Look at me. These godly relationships are plentiful. They're just in a small group. They're just in a small group. There are Samuels that are looking for a David to invest in. Jonathans that are looking to sacrifice for your good and Nathans who want to be close enough to speak truth into your life. Next week, signups begin. Freedom groups launch right away. If you haven't been in a freedom small group, look at my face. I want you to start there. I want, you to, I want you to give us a problem. I want you to sign up in such droves that we don't have enough leaders and have to find some way to do it because you need to be in relationship. And in the following week, our discipleship groups and topical groups will launch. Look at me, I know you're busy. I know. Because I live in the same place you do. I'm in the same community. I know. Family things, everything's pulling on you. The enemy wants you busy. He wants you busy because when you're busy, you won't invest. And I'm just telling you, I think your destiny in Christ is probably one key relationship away. And you have to put yourself in the right environment to find them. Are y'all listening to me today? Y'all understand? Y'all still love me? I want this for you so bad. The kingdom of heaven is built upon relationship. And you and I were given God's capacity for relationship so that we can experience a part of heaven here on earth until we get there. Can I tell you, that's why healthy relationships are so fulfilling. 
And that's why harmful relationships are so painful to you because they're an indicator. There's, there's something inside of you that is made to be able to gauge relationships. You know when a relationship isn't right and something nags at you until it is. Money, sex, power, those things are all temporary. The relationships behind them are eternal. Kingdom of heaven is built upon relationship. Can I tell you, every significant thing that God will ever do in your life will come in the form of relationship. Even salvation, the most important gift that God ever gave to us comes in the form of relationship with his son, Jesus. John 14, 6 tells us, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through what? Except through me. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite you today to bow your head and close your eyes. We're taking inventory today on our relationships. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going to have a relationship with the Father no matter how many times you come to church, no matter how many good things you do, no matter who you were related to and what six degrees of separation you are from the Pope himself, you will not have a relationship with God if you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Well, Pastor Don, how do I get a relationship with Jesus? I'll tell you today, it's as simple as A, B, C. A stands for admit. You have to admit that you're a sinner and that your sin, your choices, your own choosing have separated you from a righteous and a loving God. Can you admit that today? B, B stands for believe. You have to believe that God sent his son Jesus to live a life that you couldn't live, to pay a debt you were supposed to pay but couldn't. And God sent him just for you. That by believing in him, you'd be able to have relationship with him. A is admit, B is believe. C stands for confess. Here's what that means, that I'm ready to confess him as Lord and Savior, that I'm willing to acknowledge his way is better than my own. Apart from his help, I can do nothing of good or value in my life. And I'm here today to ask you this question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? It's a moment that God brings you to in your life that only happens once. When you acknowledge your sin, you believe that God sent Jesus just for you, and you're ready to confess him as Lord and Savior. I want you to have healthy relationships, but I want you to have this relationship more than any of those others. Let's start there today. If you're here within the sound of my voice and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you know that relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be, I want to invite you Right there where you are, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or have you come up front. But right there where you are, I want you to do two things. I want you to raise your hand, and I want you to look up at me. If you're ready for me to pray with you to be born again today, restore your relationship with Jesus so that you can have a relationship with the Father. Right there where you are, raise your hand and look up at me. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. I see you too. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand four of you sitting right there together. Those are good relationships. I see your hands. I see your hands, both of you. Proud of you. Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. I see you. 
balcony, I'm looking. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Yeah, we know. We know when those relationships aren't right. I see your hand. I see you too. Wow. All four of you right there on the balcony, I see you. Yes, sir, I see your hand. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. Both of you, I see you. I see your hand. I see your hand too. Yes, sir. I see you. If you raise your hand before, you can put it down. I absolutely believe that God will take a relationship with Jesus and he'll begin to start some things in your life that you didn't think was possible. I'm so proud of those of you that raised your hand. Before I pray, if you didn't raise your hand before and you want to be included with those who were the many, many here in this room, you know that that relationship with God is not where it should be. Don't miss this opportunity. I didn't raise my hand before, Pastor Don, but I want to be included when you pray. I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. One more time, raise your hand so I don't miss you. I see you both. I see you too. Glad I asked. I see you. Yes, sir. Husband and wife. It's coming. It's coming. Those of you that raised your hands and those that are sitting beside them, I want everybody to say this prayer with me out loud. It's not the prayer that saves you. The Holy Spirit has revealed the need you have in your life for Jesus. You are born again. We're going to pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's celebrate with all those who were born again today.